0: Have since Bear was little, have had a lot of alternative ways of raising him that maybe the broader society kind of looked at like, what are you doing? And I even have seen like an article. It's like all the things that Alicia Silverstone did, does, (laughs) that are that are terrible, that are so anti, like not status quo. I just do what's. I'm a natural mama,
1: and I'm a loving mama, Mm -hmm. and I believe in love, Mm -hmm. and I believe in nature, and. Our society is scared of nature and scared of love. <laughs> My son's dad, he and I did it together, and because he goes, I love pigs too. So we went, we went vegan. And and you're right, every talk show made fun of me. Every time I did an interview, I was very young, and I thought I hated being famous. So I really used it as an opportunity to just talk about it. But it was not a calculated choice because. No one wants to hear about it unless they're asking you about it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really recognize that. So they want to talk about clueless and I'm talking about anal electrocution of fur. You know, (laughs) that's not really what they want to hear. Right. So it didn't go over very well, I think, for a while. But I think I found a way to understand that you have to fill yourself with joy and you have to be a healthy, happy person. Otherwise, if you like... There was a time where I did every single thing that somebody asked me to do. Everything for activism. And I was just left with nothing. Mm -hmm. And if we're not filled, if our foundation isn't good, then I don't know how we can serve others. And so I have learned that over time.
0: That was Alicia Silverstone. I laughed a lot in this conversation, probably because we've been friends for a while, so I feel really comfortable with her, but also because she's just so dang funny. Alicia is charming, witty, and has so much wisdom to share while beautifully keeping her passions lighthearted and filled with love and joy. I'm guessing you already know who Alicia is, but in case you don't, she's an actress best known for her iconic role in the hit film Clueless, a movie I die hard loved growing up. She's also a New York Times bestselling author, health advocate, co-creator of My Tind Organic Supplements, and host of the Real Heal podcast. Definitely tune into her podcast if you haven't already. Alicia is a wonderful mother to her son Bear, and she's boldly and unapologetically shared her passions for natural living since the time she's been in the spotlight, even if it was met with ridicule or laughter. As a longtime vegan, she's published two incredible books that were some of the first vegan books of their kind. In The Kind Diet, she shares all the secrets to attaining truly radiant beauty with compassionate and delicious recipes that are kind to our planet and transforms your body from the inside out. And The Kind Mama is a prescription for a healthy, vibrant pregnancy that will help you take charge of your fertility and grow the healthiest, happiest baby while you tap into your own powerful motherly intuition. In this episode, we talk about what it was like for her to be vegan before it was cool and being vegan in Hollywood, her tips for raising healthy kids, the responses she receives from pushing back against the normal and common parenting, what she's most excited about right now, and more. Alicia is happy for people to think what they want about the way she raises her child, even if it raises eyebrows, because her alternative parenting techniques work for her family, which have included co-sleeping, elimination communication, her son's long hair, teaching her son to question everything he's told, raising him vegan, not punishing him, and many more. So sit back and laugh with us as we chat about all the above. Welcome to the Ellen Fisher podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Alicia. I'm so excited to have you on the show and honors. So thank you for, I would say thank you for being here, but I'm at your place.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so glad that you guys came over and all the little babies are here. I know. I want to eat them all.
0: All of our kids, like, I mean, Bear and our kids, like, just get along so well And they just love you because you're just so good with kids. Mm. I feel like the way you speak to them, they just feel like you're really listening to them and Mm. engaging. So they like, you know, they can tell a huge difference Mm -hmm. when someone's like not interested. Like, oh, that's a child. I'm not going to talk to them versus like, you're a person. I want to talk to you.
1: Yes, (laughs) it's true. It's true. They're so sweet. We, I think we parent very similarly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just another auntie.
0: Yes. And last time we were here, Scout was just a baby. Yes. So you hadn't even met Koufax yet.
1: No. And I told Scout upstairs, I said, when you were a baby, I got to babysit you. She said,
0: oh, that's Mm -hmm. right. We did. We like went out to dinner. You did. But she was a
1: big baby. So it's weird that she's now like, she's a little girl. Yeah. But she was a big baby. Yeah, she was. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So it doesn't seem like she's. The time doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense because you haven't seen them in like three years and they like stretch out. They stretch out. They're getting taller. (laughs) So funny. Okay. So I first want to ask you my first like burning question is what was it like to be vegan before it was cool to be vegan? Like Mm. how long have you been vegan? You literally were, were vegan before it was like, like where did you even get your books and resources back then? Like your book, The Kind Diet was like one of the first cool vegan books even out there. And the way that I know that is because I was working at a health food store um, years ago. And they had like a book section, like a health section. And your book was one of the few vegan books in the beginning. Like this was like 15 years ago.
1: Thank you for saying that. That makes me happy. Um, because it was needed Mm -hmm. and that's why I did it. I never do anything. Everything takes too much work. So I would never do anything if it wasn't needed. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) That's such a good mantra. Like I have no interest (laughs) in, yeah, I'd much rather just be on vacation and hang out and <laughs> do my acting here and there. And, but no, it was needed. So back when I became vegan, what book did I? I well, I didn't do it because of, I didn't read a book. What happened was I you know, saw, there was a few things. I had a dog that I fell in love with, Samson. And he would sleep with me. He would, we basically made out. You know, he was like my boyfriend. <laughs> and he was this big, black, rotty, pity, labby. I don't know what he was. But he was so beautiful. And I would rub his legs. And I could remember feeling his legs and thinking it felt like a chicken breast. And that connection was sort of... And I thought, well, I bet my thigh tastes good, too. <laughs> it's like, I bet my butt tastes real good. Thought so, process. <laughs> so I th- that sort of started happening. But when I was... The truth is, I was eight years old when I wanted to go vegan. I was in England with my family and my mom. I'd heard the crying of the... I heard these cr- this deep, deep crying. And I asked, what is this, to the farmer? And they said, oh, well, the, the babies are being taken away from their mothers. And I said, Why? And they explain well, that's how you get milk. Mm. And this was my, I was eight, so it's hard to kind of process the whole thing. But then I knew that did not sit well with me. Then I got on the airplane flying home from England because we go for the summers. My brother started making the sound of the lamb that I was eating. And that was my first awareness that lamb was lamb. Mm. And this really freaked me out. So I came home and I declared I was going vegetarian. But I was eight, and I really didn't know what I was doing. So um, my, dear, my dear dad did buy me a book. But not a book anyone wants to read, (laughs) you know, like some How to Be Vegetarian. But it was I was eight, and and your book was for, like, 15-year-olds or an adult. It just wasn't speaking to me. But anyway, so I tried from eight to 21. I would sort of, what I call flirting in the kind Mm -hmm. diet is I would go in and out of it, and I'd be vegan or vegetarian. I didn't know about vegan yet. I'd be vegetarian, and then somebody would be eating a steak, and I'd have my eye on it because I loved the taste. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a question of not liking the taste you going to eat all that? <laughs> and they'd be like, no, do you want some? Well, when you're done, I'll yeah. eat it when you're done. Yeah. And I would, I'd be the cleanup crew.
0: It's like the same thing, like when you go on a date and you order the salad, but your partner orders the fries and you're like, I don't want any fries. And yeah, no. then you see it and you're like, you just want a little. Yeah, just a little. Just a double.
1: So I would do that. And then when I was 21, I, was, I had a meeting with PETA and I often worked with, I worked with PETA from 15 to 21. And when I, um, when I was having this one meeting with them, I was so activated by what I was learning about the pigs and the cows, and I was just, "Why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that?" And you know, as you do when you want somebody else to take care of everything, and you see it's so righteous, right? Like this is terrible; it has to stop. What are you doing? Yeah. And as I was driving away, I thought, "Well, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I'm still eating these creatures." So I went. I came home, and my husband, my son's dad, my husband at the time, mm-hmm. he and. He and I did it together, and because he goes, I love pigs too. So we went, we went vegan. And and you're right, every talk show made fun of me. Every time I did an interview, they, you know, I made the, I made the, um, it was very young, and I thought I hated being famous, so I really used it as an opportunity to just talk about it. But it was not a calculated choice because no one wants to hear about it unless, you, unless you're at, they're asking you about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really recognize that. So they want to talk about Clueless and I'm talking about anal electrocution of fur. You know, <laughs> That's not really what they want to hear. Right. So it didn't go over very well, I think, for a while. And I really started to learn from people like Howard Lyman. And I saw the movie The Witness, um, which is a great movie about this Brooklyn guy who hated animals, but he fell in love with this girl or he wanted to get with this girl. So he, by accident became an animal lover because of her. Um, It's a really good movie. Anyway, these movies and um, talking to other activists like Howard Lyman, he really inspired me that you have to be the example. You have to wait for people to come to you and ask. And boy, that makes it so much easier because then you're not using so much energy everywhere you go. I remember my husband used to be like, Can you just go to a party and not talk about your food? Can we just, do you have to tell everybody about the horror? And I was like, But it's, to me, everything was rape, murder, fire Mm -hmm. like everything. How can we not be screaming this? Mm -hmm. And I still have that feeling about many different subjects. But I think I've found a way to understand that you have to fill yourself with joy and you have to be a healthy happy person otherwise if you like there was a time where I did every single thing that somebody asked me to do everything for activism and I was just left with nothing mm-hmm. and if we're not filled if our foundation isn't good then I don't know how we can serve others and so I have learned that over time
0: yeah I think burnout is a real thing yeah right and so you can have this fire inside of you to want it for the cause. But then if you're not taking care of yourself and finding balance in that way, like you're not gonna last very long. Exactly. And then it's not very fruitful either. Because no. it's true, I think a lot of people experience what you just said, like especially in the beginning when they first learn about the horrors of what's happening in the animal agriculture industry and they go vegan and they're like, I mean I definitely had this and I would go tell people and Everywhere. and I'm like, you guys don't like did you know this? Like don't you wanna go vegan now? Yeah. And they'd be like, nah and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> How like I couldn't I couldn't comprehend yeah, it, which yeah. is funny though because then I wasn't really until how how I once wasn't vegan too, yes. and I actually used to make fun of vegans too when I was in high school. Like I mean I didn't really know what it was, of course. but you know junior high, high or high, yeah junior high high school area age if somebody like mentioned something about being vegetarian or vegan it was like oh gosh those people not really you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then look at me today so you know just like being understanding and then just everyone's on their own journey and also waiting for people to come to you because you can't change anyone's mind Mm -mm. like everyone is going to change their own mind on their own terms yeah and you actually push people further away
1: I think so and I, I did I mean there were some people that would tell me oh I read this article where you're talking about it and you go oh well thank god somebody but but it's also just I think at the end of the day, um, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, what happened to me when I went vegan, when I stopped just yelling at everybody about it, was that, um, you know, my skin changed, my hair changed, my nails changed, I got off my asthma inhaler, I stopped taking allergy shots twice a week, my body slimmed up, all my cystic acne went away, My whites of my eyes got really white. You know, you could not bend my nails anymore. They were so brittle before. So, And I stopped needing to go to the doctor. I stopped needing medication. I stopped needing anything. Mm -hmm. And that was so powerful. And I think that that is something that, you know, when people would say to me, wow, you're glowing. Like, what's happening with you? And that was really exciting to me because I didn't know that that was what was going to happen. I did it for the animals. yeah. But what happened to me was this incredible health awakening. And I would never have taken my health seriously. I didn't have the self-worth to take myself, to take my health seriously. Um, at that age, I was just much more like, if you're going to tell me that I need to be healthy, you're telling me I'm fat and you can, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's, that was my reaction. I was (laughs) 19 and 20 and 21. Like, don't tell me about my body. Don't tell me about my health. Just leave me alone. Mm -hmm. So it was the animals that saved me really. And, um, yeah, I think that you asked what it was like before. I think it, i i've 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 withstand withstood a lot of criticism, a lot of mocking. Um, but the cool thing is is I always knew i when you know you're doing something that's right, it doesn't really matter ultimately. It can be painful for sure. It's always painful to put your neck out and be it's but when you know that you are part of something that is part of the solution and not part of the problem. Like, how can you not want to continue?
0: Right, and you just know the end. You know the end goal. You know, like, it will change over time. You, like, almost had a deep knowing about it. You're like, oh, yeah, well, just wait. Yes. (laughs) Because you know that it's the truth. Yes. So when did you take your self... You said you didn't have self-worth back then. Like, when did you start shifting? Was it at that time when you went vegan? Like, I know you saw those results, but when did you start feeling self-worth as, like, a valuable thing to consider?
1: I think it was part of the diet makes eating clean, healthy food, which also happens to be free of cruelty, um, you know, the, the plant-based diet. I think just all of, I think my heart's off. I think there's a, there's, when you're eating meat, dairy, and sugar, and all this stuff, I mean, look, I still eat sugar. I try really hard not to, but I'm not gonna say I'm perfect. <laughs> it, it still finds its way. Yeah. But, um, but when that's like just normal, when that's just the way you eat, you know, the way normal people eat all the time. Mm-hmm. When you go, we went to Legoland <laughs> recently. And when you have, are forced to eat the way America usually eats for a day, we ate that way for, I think, two days. I mean, Bear came home and puked, <laughs> you know, and you go, how do people do this on the daily? This is normal. Mm-hmm. This is just normal. So my point what's my point that <laughs> that i think that there's a sort of hardening that happens or a um, there's gook there's so much gook inside that needs to be removed and and once that starts happening that detox process you can feel your body more you can feel your heart more you feel your intuition i remember people used to say well just listen to your body and i'd be like listen to my body how do you listen to your body but oh my god do i listen to my body and na- you know now you start to be able to everything softens and you're living in your intuition you're living in your in your truth and you are aligned with your principles so you're not doing something cuz i remember eating animals and still trying to say i was a good person and still trying to say i was an animal lover and that was a that was a that was tricky for me from from the age 8 to 21 where i would sort of like but i'm an animal lover and i'm an animal activist and i love animals but i'm eating them mm-hmm. okay interesting you know well just ignore that just ignore that you're still good you're still good and so when I was able to go no 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 this is wrong and I'm not going to do it anymore and stand in that truth um I think that there's a super there's clarity that comes with that and also the power of standing up for yourself even though I'm standing up for the animals I don't think I could have stood up for myself but I was able to stand up for the animals and I think that gave me a sense of self in that it was important that I do that and um and then over time, I just started to really learn to take care of myself and it, learn that yeah. I was important. I was important if I was going to, if in order to help them, I had to take care. So I'm really all, it's all good karma because of the animals, really. I'm so grateful to them for for allowing me to find a way to really, to truly love myself and take care of myself and understand that I'm important too and I'm an animal too. Yes. Right?
0: Alright guys, are you looking for more plant-based recipes to add into your life and nourish your family? I'm doing a special ebook promotion for my podcast listeners to thank you for all of your support where you can get any of my ebooks for 15% off with the code podcast. Just go to ellenfisher.com ebooks and enter the code at checkout to get this deal while it lasts. All three of my ebooks are filled with our family's favorite and staple plant-based recipes that are whole foods focused, nourishing, delicious, and satisfying. Many of these recipes we eat on a weekly or even daily basis and it's filled with the meals that i found over the years to make my family feel our best, tasting, Incredible, and most of them are quick to whip up in the kitchen too. A family favorite is the vegan lasagna in my epic vegan cravings ebook. And also you have to make a big batch of home-baked omega granola, which is sure to get eaten within the week. Healthy hummus recipes and a totally decadent springtime lemon poppy cake layered with strawberry jam and cream cheese frosting made from coconut and lemon zest that the kids love for me to make for their birthdays. The linguine parm and vegan zuki, which is a chocolate chip skillet cookie topped with the healthiest homemade vanilla ice cream that tastes like it's from a creamery is to die for. And I love making for family dinner every week the hearty red lentil chili from the Epic Plant Barred Kid food ebook. These ebooks are 100% vegan, whole foods focused, gluten-free friendly, and are instant digital downloads that can be read on any smartphone, tablet, or computer. Between all three ebooks, I also include practical tips, encouragement, inspiring content, simple swaps to enhance the health of your meals, a seven-day sample meal plan, how to help your children love fruits and vegetables, Lunchbox ideas, beginner vegan tips, and more. And I have poured my heart and soul into these books. Between all three ebooks, there's over 460 pages of content and vibrant photography. And each recipe is filled with vibrant whole plant foods for health and wellness in both body and mind. Remember to use the code PODCAST at checkout for 15% off. Any or all of my ebooks. I hope you enjoy them and feel inspired to get in the kitchen to make healthy, nourishing, plant-based meals. And yeah, the cause and effect, and it's almost like one cause of this, and it's just like a spiral, and it keeps going. And yeah, there's so many benefits. I know that I definitely experienced that softening when I first went plant-based. It was for my health. Yeah. And I had no interest in caring about the animals, yeah. you know, at all. Like <laughs> I no, love that. At all, like literally, I have so many experiences like that. Like, oh, do you care that I'm eating this steak? Like, and I'm like, I literally don't care because I just, it was just, I was like just doing this, this for, for me. me my temple it was just for me and my temple yeah and then once I watched a Gary Yorosky speech the best speech you'll ever hear I don't know if you've ever seen that no you haven't I was like crying and bawling by the end of it he's a vegan activist uh-huh. um and just I couldn't Sorry. believe that I never considered the animals before yeah and and then that's when that activism thing within me was like, I got to tell everybody, yeah. you know, because before then it wasn't like that. Yeah. But I think my heart was softened to that message, but yes. it where it wouldn't have been before if I wasn't already eating plant-based. No, I
1: love those stories. I love when people come to it for their health. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful that you had the the worth and mm. the, the whereabouts to know that you mattered right. and you could make that choice for yourself and that it was the right choice. And then be yeah. softened into a lovey mushy
0: yeah and it all just <laughs> fell into place yeah for sure and then learning about the environment and all that it like yeah. later as it just yeah. as like originally going you like have this one reason and then later it's like wow it's like so many reasons so many reasons because like you said same with me in, in regards to my health taking off healing so many um, factors of my inner health my mindset and, and just my body and so then then learning about the animals I'm like guys there's literally no reason not to do this why yes. why would you not want to But like you said, it really has to, you have to let people come to you, just be the example. So going back to Hollywood, Mm -hmm. what has it been like being vegan in Hollywood over the years? You said you got made fun of a lot, you know, articles, whatever. But I love that you've always just like stuck to your guns and just been yourself. And even just the way you describe, um, like how your dog was your boyfriend. Like, (laughs) I feel like you you say things like this and then it it makes it into the media. Like, look at what Alicia said. (laughs) Yeah. So what's it been like being vegan in Hollywood, especially the way that Hollywood portrays vegans, even though there's actually a lot of people who are vegan in Hollywood, it seems like. I
1: don't know how Hollywood portrays vegans. My perception is we're very cool right now because Kim Kardashian's vegan, Beyonce's vegan, Jay-Z's vegan. I mean, we've taken over the world. So um, I don't, I'm not sure that... um, I, you probably have a better perception of it than I do. Well, of would, what, I don't
0: know if I would. I mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know any of those people were vegan. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: a lot of people are vegan, and there's way more than that. And mm-hmm. there's ones that are vegan for their health, and they're not talking about it because mm-hmm. it's just for their health. And yeah. there's ones that care very much about the earth and animals. I know Miley Cyrus is often vegan. I don't know how vegan, but she's pretty vegan, veganish. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need is a bunch of veganish people. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need them to all be perfect.
0: Any steps going in the yeah. right direction. Um, but I think my, my thoughts about being in Hollywood is like the way that in movies portrays vegans as like...
1: Oh, do they make fun Annoying, of us? yeah, making fun oh, yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, that's very annoying. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, I remember seeing Saturday Night Live sketches and wanting to call them and be like, you guys, what you're saying is wrong. Like, <laughs> but you know it.
0: what? It's all good and it's supposed to be fun, right? Like things are... There's going to be comedy, right? Yes, you have to for sure. things with a grain of For salt.
1: sure. Um, you do. I think... I mean, I think that it's come so far. When I started... Really, Jay Leno look, looked at me like I was an alien. He's, and he was so amused by it. Like, yeah. vegan? <laughs> what? Like, And Letterman would do the same thing. They had their own way of doing it. But both of them, it was a fun sketch for them to talk about how yeah. I was this funny little vegan thing. And what is that? And not know how to pronounce it. And no one in the mainstream was ta- saying that word. I know. So it was sort of like, vegan? Vegan? Like, yeah. what What are you? And um, And trying to explain it to them. And I feel very, very proud that I was able to bring it to the mainstream. You and were so
0: pivotal, actually. I think a lot of people don't even realize how pivotal you were, mm-hmm. like in that, like being like one of the first people making it to where it's getting out that information. Like, oh, there's somebody who's vegan? What is that?
1: <laughs> well, actually the animal rights conference that happens, they invited me to receive mm-hmm. an award because of bringing it to the mainstream. They were like, you are doing this. And then while I was there, I gave this speech and I got booed off the stage by all the vegan by all the animal activists because not all of them, it was a particular group, but it was a really funny experience. And I thought, you guys, this is where you go wrong, because if I wasn't so committed, you'd lose me. Yeah. Like take any one of the people, you you know there's a lot of actresses who are vegan for a little bit and then they stop and mm-hmm. then they're vegan and they stop. Mm-hmm. Right. So those ones, if they had shown up at animal rights conference 2000 and got booed off the stage, they would be yeah. out.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't but want to not- be part of this group. Right. So I was like, what are you guys doing? This Wait, is Why not- were they booing you?
1: They were mad at me because I said in my speech, I decided, and it is obnoxious of me, totally <laughs> obnoxious, but I also knew what I was talking about, but still. I was trying to say that some tactics didn't work as well as others and that we should really focus on education and kindness and making ourselves um, more, you know, uh, more, um, what's the word? like accessible Acceptable. and attractive to the other people. Because if we're going out there, and I was talking about sort of throwing blood on people or causing these fusses, that, these, that, that that's not, that all they can do is say, well, those crazy people. Yeah. What I, and I think certain people in that audience thought I was talking about them, but I was really talking about them a different group. And so it was this misunderstanding um, of what, what I was trying to say. But I had to exit the stage and all of the heads of, of, of court came with me to my room to take care of me while all these letters kept flooding under the door. It was so weird and funny. And um, I wish I could, I mean, it's a funny memory from my past that I was in this room with Alex Hart, Alex Hershaft, Wayne Pace- Pacelli, um, who else was in the room with me, probably Paul Shapiro, do you know all these people? These were all vegan warriors, um, but they were all from different. You know, it was like Humane Society of the U.S. and it was. Um, anyway, so we were all in there together, and they were sort of. Also, Alex Pacello, Pacheco. I can't remember his last name, but anyway, they were sort of saying, "No, it's good what you're saying, and it's okay." Yeah, that is but, a very good message. But it
0: was it was
1: for some reason being booed. It was so booed that I. It wasn't a mild boo. It was like you have to exit the building, <laughs> and, um, and it was by the people that I speak that I'm yeah. with. So it's it was like, very interesting. Like
0: you're like, hey, I'm on your side. I'm on guys. your side. I'm
1: just suggesting that we all be. But I can. I'm sure it sounded obnoxious. Who knows? But it was just sort of saying that one way was better than another way. And and I do understand that we need all the ways.
0: Um, but I don't, know, I don't know if we need the dumping, like, blood on other people way. Well, what I learned, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I don't I know. I think it's okay to have a line. <laughs> I think that what I I've totally learned... I oh, right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's definitely going to come for
1: me, too. I learned over time that some of the ways, <clears throat> while they don't look like they work to us, you know, because from my point was being a vegan, you're making it hard for me because everywhere I go, I have to fight against this label, right? Mm. Everyone wants to say to you, oh, well, PETA sucks. PETA does this. PETA, you know, it's like, stop being, can you just stop doing that so we can make it easier? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what I learned with time was that that's not actually, that a lot of what, especially with PETA, for example, they make such change. And they would tell me, well, having a bunch of girls be naked doing a a um, thing gets attention whereas the article you write for PCRM if it doesn't have a celebrity attached to it no one's going to listen a doctor writing a piece is not going to make it into the thing so you have to choose how do we get this message out there so yes we do shenanigans to get attention but we get attention and Mm -hmm. it's proof is they're not wrong in that when I did my I did a naked wool campaign and I did a naked um uh, and I never am naked in movies, so this was for me a big deal. That to be, is a big deal. To show my body uh, In was only for the animals. And I did it for uh, PETA for, um, what was the first one? Just Go vegeta- I think Go Vegan or Go Vegetarian, whatever. And they said that just by doing that, the amount of people or for wool, the amount of people that click in and ask for information is massive. Mm. So it's it has an effect. While youth well, meanwhile, everyone's saying ban that video. When I did the Go Vegetarian video, they wanted all the news channels wanted to ban this video of me because they were saying it was indecent. And they were saying because it's really probably because of the meat and dairy industry. They didn't want yeah.
0: that was, message being out yeah. there.
1: But it in unfortunately for their sake, it got so much more attraction because it was banned mm-hmm. so everyone clicked on it
0: yeah then they want to see it more <laughs> and
1: then they and then not only did they click on it it got Peter got people asking for vegetarian pamphlets mm-hmm. so it works yeah that's what I've learned
0: wow that's interesting <laughs> so you see both sides I see both but sides, but no. you make a really valid point that like if your quote-unquote side because you know the 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 mindset of our like social and cultural need to like be feeling welcomed like for someone who isn't like as strong of a vegan as you like if you're like hey guys I care about this too like I, I want to be part of it and then you're like getting booed or you're getting all this like you're doing like I don't know you just mad at you <laughs> you're not doing it well enough or whatever like people are like I don't want to be part of that group, right? I don't, I don't want to be labeled at all. And that right. does happen. Like yeah. I know a lot of people who are plant-based and maybe not like quite as like ethical vegan as like others, mm. but they still care about the animals, but they're like I don't want to be labeled a vegan yeah, because I don't want to be associated with that because yeah. of things like that that you just said. Yeah. So that's why I think I think you made a pretty valid point. It was probably necessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Zach Bush just said to me on my podcast. He said I said you're ve- you're vegan, right, Zach? And he goes, I'm not I don't like to be called anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, why? And he goes, because we are bigger than that. We are beings of light. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fair point. But yeah. I do happily identify as vegan, even though sometimes I'm not vegan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I mess up. I'm still vegan. Mm-hmm. I will still always be vegan because it is, it is this thing that, that holds so much. Um, I don't know. I'm so proud Yeah. of being able to make changes. like Everywhere we go, there's something we can do to Mm -hmm. make this world better. And most people are walking around unconscious, just not considering any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so when we can wake them up to, hey, you could do this, hey, you could do this, hey, you could do this, why wouldn't we want that? And he wants that too. Yeah, he just likes to for himself. He says, "Yes, I eat plant-based, but I don't call myself anything." And I yeah, think, okay, right. I
0: see. I see both sides. Like, I actually just recently recorded an episode with this guy named BC Serna. You would love him. I don't know if you know who he is, but we, there was a whole section in the podcast when we were talking about labels, and he was saying, when you use labels, you limit you limit yourself, you immediately limit yourself to how the person can receive you because they have their own biases and cognitive feelings about the word. And there's so many charged words like Democrat, Republican, you know, like anything Christian, Catholic, Mm -hmm. Muslim, all these different things. And then vegan, carnivore. Like, And then everyone has their own set of biases based on their own experiences and lenses of what that means. Yeah. And then they instantly like judge you or not even consciously judge you but subconsciously perceive you in a certain way so I'm like okay I see that but I'm the same as you I'm like there's certain there's certain things that are to me I like having a label for like I'm like I like being called vegan and when I talk to someone who's like well I don't want to be part of that group because then people are gonna think I'm like this and I'm not like that I'm like well that's exactly why I'm even more like I'm vegan to kind of break that stereotype to be like look I'm not like that and I am vegan yeah so yeah but there are certain things that's like I especially think it's not helpful when people put labels on you that you didn't put on yourself yes that is the worst because you're like I'm, yeah. I'm not even putting that label on myself yeah so yeah and
1: I think that we don't want to be constricted by the thing because yeah. it's like I said I'd rather everyone just be trying yeah than not trying at all because they think they have to be perfect to be in that club there's yeah. no perfect it's just try yeah more and more then the earth will thank you the animals will thank you the start nine million p- children and people who die of hunger a year
0: will thank you
1: And your body will thank you. So, I think it's just worth trying as hard as you can.
0: Yeah, and just do something, anything, anything better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's something that Colleen Patrick-Goudreau talks about. I told you about her. Yeah, I did an episode with her. Anyways, okay. Next question I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. moving on a little bit, is what are your like plant-powered kid tips on like raising healthy kids?
1: Um. Well, what are my tips? I, you know, I think making delicious food for sure and And also, when they're little, I really tried hard when bear was little not to introduce junk, so there was no you know he didn't have sugar for so long, and then he didn't have um you know chips and things like that and he he was very macrobiotic and and until he because now that he's eleven, you know all bets are off it's harder so and I don't mean that he's suddenly eating, but sometimes like this morning he he said something to me about what he wanted, and I said, he's obsessed with Takis. Do you know about these Takis? No. Okay, well, they are total trash. It's, forgive me, Takis, but who cares? <laughs> They're gross. It's like, oh, I know, and we were at his school thing, and he comes over, and he goes, Mommy, look, these Doritos, they have poison in them, because he saw some stuff, and I go, they definitely have poison in them. that That's not the poison. It's just, they are disgusting. They are chemicals and nastiness. And he was like, go, okay, Mommy. <laughs> but, you know, they the point is, is now he's eating he has access to more junk in his life and he can feel the difference. He knows what it feels like. So I I guess what I'm saying is building a great foundation. He, he was conceived by a vegan healthy mama. He was, um, breastfed with healthy nourishing foods and then his first foods and all of his foods until he was like three or four were just brown rice, beans and veggies. And then, you know, when they start to now he's having, I don't know, Talk. I, I give him a lot of choice, too. Baby, do you want to have tacos tonight or do you want to have a stir fry? Now, they're both con- comprised of the same things, beans, rice, and vegetables. <laughs> so I'm getting what I need, but yeah. it's him having a choice of yeah. which thing he'd rather have. And I did get told recently I've been making too many stir fries. So like it. At 11, it's been 11 years, so it's fair. Yeah, trying <laughs> <You laughs> to mix it up, Mom. Trying to mix it up. So, um, But the stir fries are such a great thing because you can do you know, I've just do kale, beans, and brown rice. Um, and then, you know, lots of, he liked garlic in it and, um, and lots of lemon and a little shoyu and, you know, and I make oatmeal for breakfast sometimes, but that's, he's gotten over that one. Now we have a lot of mochi. We have mochi, which is so delicious. And, um, that's the rest. There's a recipe in my book for that. And, um, what else do we have? You know, avocado on toast and he's not a, he's not a big smoothie guy, but Sometimes I try to get a smoothie in him, but yeah, he doesn't really care.
0: I think the foundation aspect is so key because when they start out on these really nourishing, healthy plant foods, then as they get older and as they're like becoming more autonomous, making their own choices and stuff, they'll you know they might dabble, but then they really see the difference and they're like, oh, this. And and you can and education. Yes, I mean like look, you know these are like healthier foods. These are less healthy, more nutritious, more this, and explaining specifically why certain foods are, have these nutrition within them that's so good for you. And then they gravitate towards that choice for themselves. And it's very empowering because they're like, look, I'm supporting my body. I wish I knew any of that stuff when I was a kid, I had no idea. And then by the time I hit puberty and I'm like, Whoa, my body's changing. And like, I'm starting to, I can't just eat anything that I want now, but I had no foundation to understand like how to eat healthy. And then that's where the problems arise with like, you know, I remember, in high school on our breaks, me and my friend Kesley, we would always share like a Snickers bar and hot, flaming hot Cheetos. And it's yeah, like, exactly. and I never felt good after. And I was like, not. why don't I feel good when I eat oh, this? <laughs> <terrible>. <laughs> I don't understand. Right? I but know. because I didn't know we didn't anything. Know. That's just, that just how we grew up. Stop at Taco Bell on the way home, you know, like all that stuff. So That foundation is so key, I think, and like having lots of healthy foods in the house um, as the foundation, right? And then they start out that way. And then as they get older, they can make the choices for themselves. But- What I've seen, at least with my kids, is that they gravitate towards the healthy yes. foods. Like they, you know, have fun with the snack stuff. And yeah. we like to dabble in like the fun processed yes. vegan snacks too. Yes. Um, but then they have that and then they always want to go back to the healthy foods. Yeah. Brought to you today by Anima Mundi Herbals, an apothecary shop specializing in high potency elixirs, medicinal mushrooms, and collagen boosters, owned and operated by a master herbalist from Costa Rica. Their project educates and supports true fair trade practices beyond organic farming education, and small farmers to create remedies that benefit people from all walks of life. I'm obsessed with their Happiness Powder, which is an energizing and mood-boosting herbal coffee that is caffeine-free and adaptogenic. I like it served warm with plant milk and maple syrup, and it contains key herbal allies that we like to call happy herbs. Other immunity boosters in their shop include black elderberry syrup, mushroom mocha milk, and spirulina, an organic protein-rich mineralizer that tastes delicious in banana mango smoothies. But my favorite items in their shop tend to my feminine and pregnant body, collagen booster face oil, womb tea, which is perfect for pregnancy, and a rose body oil, which is just divine. Anima Mundi uses eco-friendly packaging in recyclable glass or biodegradable bags. I got an awesome discount code for you guys too, so you can enjoy this wonderful brand. Use my code ELLEN15 for 15% off anything at herbals.com. That's A-N-I-M-A-M-U-N-D-I-H-E-R-B-A-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N-I-N ALS.com.
1: I think it's really important to recognize that it is our responsibility. I think that um, I was talking to someone and they were saying, you know, that there was some <laughs> that if you put cake in front of children, if you give them sort of a plate of regular vegan food or or no any food if you give them a plate they weren't talking about veganism they were talking about just food and kids and that naturally if you give them a plate of food and cake at the same time that the kid's not going to choose the cake and I was like you don't have a kid (laughs) that is not a true statement I'm so sorry (laughs) like I'm so sorry (laughs) maybe when they're three
0: yeah it depends on the age the age and what they've already been introduced to but but five and on yeah Put carrot sticks or cakes. Come on, what do you you think they're gonna
1: fit? Even for us, think about us. (laughs) Like, of course, if you're in your, you're having a really good day, you're gonna make the right choices. But on a day before your period, if somebody goes, (laughs) "Hey, here's some really yummy vegan brownies," you're not gonna say no. (laughs) I mean, at least I'm not. No, I'm
0: not. (laughs) So, so I'm never gonna say no. I love vegan brownies, right?
1: So my (laughs) point is, come on, like we have a responsibility to build this foundation for our children so that they can. I really think giving them healing, nourishing food on the daily, and yes, playing and letting them go off and have the stuff that we go, oh,
0: I can't believe they're having that. Know. You know, that's know. okay. And you just like, you just have to hold it inside. You're yeah. just like, oh, I'm It's okay, it's I'm okay. okay. I mean, I don't
1: hold it in. I just go, ew, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> right, but he knows that I'm, I'm not like excited about yeah. it. But I also let him because why not? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I know that they're not, we, No, I don't think any of us, are fully equipped, (laughs) some are, but most people don't have that kind of willpower to make the, the, you know, even to go to bed on time. We all know that if we go to bed at 1030, we're going to have a way better day the next day. Mm -hmm. But can you put your phone down? Can you stop your work? Can you stop your project? Mm -hmm. No, sometimes you can't. We all have, problems with discipline, right? So to imagine, to expect a little child to be able to do that for themselves and regulate their choices is insanity. And you can see it. You see the people who just go let their have kids have whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Well, those kids have really dark circles under their eyes. They're usually quite chubby. They don't feel good. And they're acting up, right? The biggest thing that I can say about feeding your kid the way that you and I have fed our kids is they don't have this they're regulated mm-hmm. so they feel good inside because they're pooping right yeah. because they're you know they're sleeping well mm-hmm. because there isn't all this activation happening imagine when your body goes to bed at night and you've had all this horrible food. It's just trying to process it and mm-hmm. figure out what to do. So rest is not really happening. Mm-hmm. And then when they make up the next day, they've got that hangover from that sleep and all that nasty food. And now they've got to get it up and do it all over again. And so they're just riding this kind of unwellness. And it's, yeah. it makes you cranky. If I eat a bunch of junk, I feel cranky too. So I really see that the amazing thing that happens with my baby is he's got this very smooth temperament. Mm -hmm. You know, he is not activated. He's not having, um, he doesn't have big spurts of, He's not irrational. Yeah. He's not, um, they talked about the terrible twos and terrible threes. He didn't go through that. Mm-hmm. He was a very balanced, healthy boy and with tons of energy and tons of strength. Mm-hmm. So there's no weakness. He's mm-hmm. like a wild man. But that wild energy is also grounded in a sort of healthy presence. Yeah. So I just see the the proof is always in the pudding and yeah. how they are. And yeah. Um, I'm so grateful. You know, he hasn't had any... He hasn't needed medicine. And yeah. he's 11 years old. Same
0: with all my kids. None of them have ever needed to go to the hospital yeah, for and anything. Yeah, and you're not
1: holding it back from them. No, they you're just not, haven't needed they're it. They're just not needing they it. They haven't needed it. But people think when we say this that... Um, Oh, it's because, you know, you're not giving them medicine when know, they need it. No, it's because they're not sick.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's <just> why. Literally, <laughs> they, they might get a so stuffy well.
1: nose or a tiny cough, then but then they're still away. climbing up a tree. Oh,
0: yeah. Seriously. I know. <laughs> I totally feel you. And then the long-term benefits for that, because how many of us, when since we didn't have healthy foundations once we got older, you know, because we can't blame our parents. They didn't know. No. Right? But when the processed foods came out, like, there yeah. was no information that, like, yeah. McDonald's was not optimal (laughs) you know like when when i was young you know like my parents had no idea i remember one time actually we were driving through this uh uh, burger king after wild rivers and my mom got us burgers we're like thanks mom these are so good and she's like you know so and so at this uh, this place that she knows someone um was she said so and so doesn't give her kids any fast food and we're like, "What?" Oh my gosh. She's like, I know. I know. <laughs> she was so proud. She's like so proud. I get you fast food. We're like, cool thanks mom. mom. And then here I am years later. Like, I can't believe that. And then here I am years later. Like I'm that mom. Totally. But the foundation of having, like we're going back to, because how many people didn't have that healthy foundation? And then when you get older, you start to experience symptoms and things that oh, happen yeah. from how you, how you were raised when you were younger and yeah. so many different factors. Right. Oh yeah. And, it sets you up for a better success as you get older after you go through puberty and you're just less likely to oh, yeah. have a problem. This doesn't mean that you're going to be superhuman and you're never going to have anything. But yeah. Like re- Being realistic about your health is so, I think, pivotal. Um, but there's the factor of having a set well foundation just sets you up for life.
1: It does. It really, really does. Yeah. I remember witnessing this one actress who was telling me, that her kids, that they all, nobody slept, that they all had insomnia, that everyone was like jacked up, that no one could sleep, she needed to go to sleep camp, everything was a mess, and I was watching her. Now granted, we were at a party, so it's not entirely fair, because of course you're gonna be indulging at a party, but the kids were shoving cupcake after cupcake in their mouths, and I said, I know we're at a party today, so this makes sense, but have you considered just as a friendly suggestion after hearing her for 20 minutes tell me about how sleep deprived she was and her children were and how, you know, aggro everything was and she was losing her mind. I said, have you considered, you know, just removing some sugar? And she looked at me and she goes, sugar doesn't have anything to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just went, okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) So just just a suggestion. Just an idea. Just an idea. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. So you have a lot of alternative, you have, since Barrett was little, have had a lot of alternative ways of raising him that maybe – the broader society kind of looked at like, what are you doing? And I even have seen like an article. It's like all the things that Alicia Silverstone did does that are, that are terrible. That are so anti, like not status quo. Uh So maybe we can get into a little bit of those, like you co-slept and Mm -hmm. things like that.
1: Yeah. I just do what's,
0: I'm a natural mama and I'm a
1: loving mama Mm -hmm. and I believe in love Mm -hmm. and I believe in nature and our society is scared of nature and scared of love and so <laughs> That
0: right there that's the whole podcast
1: I think that's it that's I mean it. <laughs> they they are they react as if they, it's okay with women to be naked on the beach I don't mean naked like on a naked beach I mean with a string up their bum as a bathing suit and like no bathing suit that's okay but a woman can't breastfeed
0: That is very interesting, and I'm just like,
1: what? (laughs) Why is it okay for women to be sexualized on in on a beach or in the in our movies or whatever, and on a billboard or in videos, like, yeah, just anything, yeah? But we can't gently feed our children with the thing that was made to feed them. Like, what is wrong with you? And he says,
0: I know that is very weird. So that's you
1: know one thing. Then there's all these other cultures and all these other people that do it. The things I'm doing, I'm not inventing. I didn't invent any of it. You would think I, I would like, love to take credit for all of it, but it's not me for unfortunately it's just me following nature. Yeah. And yeah, sleeping with your children, I mean if you were in a fo- if you were in a in in any kind of um, wild setting where there're animals, if you put your baby over there, your baby's going to get eaten. So it's not ideal for the baby to be over that's, there. That's
0: how I thought too like back when I was get first like going to have Elvis like The topic of co sleeping or crib and everything like that. I'm like, well, if I was like sleeping outside in a tent, I wouldn't put him in a separate tent. No, like no way. No, (laughs) and their little bodies are designed to have milk every. They're they need that milk every two
1: hours when they're building up and you know when their baby their bellies are so tiny and it actually makes you sleep so much better. I remember when I first had bear, I would get up to go breastfeed him. Now, he was still in bed with me, but I would get up. I don't know why. I, would just, mm-hmm. you know, I was a new mom, so yeah. I would get up. And, it, and then one of my friends said, why are you doing that? Just roll over. Yeah. And I was like,
0: oh yeah. Oh yeah. But
1: my boobs aren't quite big enough. <laughs> I don't think I had the big the big ones that <laughs> could kind of get in there as well, but I start I, I started, and it, it does save a lot. And then I would find that you'd be asleep, and you'd be on one side, and then you'd wake up, and you're like, how did he get on that side?
0: Because <laughs> I didn't, you know?
1: But, um but i just think it's delicious i think being a mom is the most precious most like unbelievable experience in this world and it's not for everyone and you know anybody who doesn't want to do it shouldn't do it but for me mm-hmm. i just it's so divine it's and i wanted to savor every moment of his life and that's why i didn't ha- i wanted to have more but then my my relationship got messed up and then it was not a great time to bring one in. But I didn't want to have one right away because mm-hmm. I was so in love mm-hmm. with my bear. I wanted to every squeeze every little moment out of him. I know. So it wasn't until he was like three that I was ready to make another baby and then I didn't yes. have partners. So, so that's why I don't have four babies. But I would, I, I wouldn't probably want four babies, but I would definitely want two or three. Yeah. Um, so, but being <laughs> like a mom, I would
0: not be you, Ellen.
1: <laughs> no, no, I don't think I could do that. Um, but maybe,
0: maybe I feel like you're like a you, lot, you started a lot you're younger a than I did. Mama. I just
1: can't. I feel I'm, like you I'm could way do it. older than you. No, you don't seem older. Well, I'm way older cool. than you. So, you started younger. Um, if I had started younger, I probably would be you. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that when I was little. I knew I had to wait because <clears> I thought if I start, I won't stop and um but my point is that nurturing this little monkey and having him you know i just wanted to do what was healthiest for him at every turn and so every choice i make is either be- built on instinct or deep research mm-hmm. it's not like a, it's not like um i'm just not going to do this yeah. you know <laughs> i i there's a book called the continuum concept that is so beautifully written about this psychologist who follows these tribes and watches how the how it's done. And it's really the basis of attachment parenting because it's when the baby's on your body in the field with you at all times where you can see and hear what they need. They tell you when they need to go to the bathroom. They tell you when they need to eat. They tell you what they need and you can address it cuz they're right there. Yeah. These children do not grow up needing up. They're not needy. They're mm-hmm.
0: not I know there's a misconception, a huge misconception with like, you know, attachment parenting, positive parenting that it makes your kids like needy no. or insecure. They're it's fiercely it's actually, independent. It's actually the opposite the cuz they feel more secure. Yeah, that's at least what I found for sure. And the thing about co-sleeping, another thing to touch on, a lot of people will f- have this fear because of what maybe the media or other things are telling you that like it's unsafe yeah. or doc- yeah. whatever doctors. But a lot of times it's not really showing the balance of both sides. Yeah. That like, hey, look, the times when there is something that's unsafe is is generally when a mom is either drinking or on medication. Yes, and for sure. And so, or anyone in the bed. Yes. Like, so no one in the bed should be on medication. Yes. Like that information. If you are yes. not on medication, altering your state. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like you are so aware, even though, like you said, even though you, like you said, you are, you are sleep, you sleep so well. But there's something deep in you that is so hyper aware. You would never that'll never go
1: away, as a mother. Yeah, it
0: would never go away for sure. And like you said, that you're so obsessed with your baby. Like I just think about little Koufax and I'm just obsessed with him. When I look at his little face, (laughs) I'm just like, look at him. You're just so cute. Yeah, it's so true. Because I, when I talk to someone who doesn't have any children, sometimes they're like. Oh, might be like a f- afraid or nervous while they're holding a baby, and uh-huh. I'm like, but well, once you give birth, that all goes away. Like it's like this is my baby, yeah, and it's like that inner primal, yeah, and it's so natural to just want to do the like keeping your baby close and yeah, and follow your intuition with that.
1: Well, Bear and I still sleep together.
0: Wow. Yeah, so that's another thing. Like all the, all the, statements, and I'll be in trouble for saying that. I but I like, don't really care. You did elimination communication. Oh, that's that's all?
1: amazing. Elimination communication is the best.
0: Well, so I never did that. I remember when, you gotta talked, do it with your new baby. I remember you were like, you told last time when Scott was you a you're like, wait, you didn't do that? I'm like, no.
1: It's awesome. Like, I
0: was like, that's too far for me. Oh, no, it's so but awesome. I know you like rave about it. And my sister's just getting into it. It's and so she's like, easy. Tell her, tell her. But her baby is older now. Like she yeah. was waiting, she waited. He's like, he's older, and so she's like, it won't work. But when he's, older. but right, but he's actually already showing because cloth oh. diapers generally help babies yeah. like feel their wet yeah, yeah. earlier. All of our kids like learned to go on the potty like, by the time they were two, that's great. Yeah, except for Kofax, we we've, we've been you know. We have too many kids now. Yeah, you have a lot of kids. <laughs> not too many. Not too many. You're we have a, a lot. lot of kids. And so the the, able, the ability to like help like sense his cues is, is a little bit harder. I can um, see that.
1: But you could just do it every time. So what you could start with is... When they're little. Right when the baby comes out. Yeah. Right when that baby comes out, start with... Don't put the pressure on yourself of watching his cues. You have five children. Yeah. For goodness sakes. That's going to be impossible. <laughs> no. But what you could do is every time you're done feeding the baby put the baby over the toilet. Mm. And, and you did go, you just, and just go,
0: Psss. and did you, did you just not put diapers on him at all?
1: So I didn't, I came to it too late. So if oh. I'm, if I ever got to have another baby in my life, I would start right away. I feel like you will. I started with at six months. Mm-hmm. And so you're a little bit late to the game. Yeah. But Bear never went poop in a diaper again after eight months. Wow. Eight months. That's amazing. So the way, what I would do, cause he was just grabbed for the toilet. Cause he yeah. already knew that that's where you go poop poop. Yeah. And I never had to, this wasn't training this wasn't there was no crying this was just simply when I was done feeding him he would go to the bathroom on the toilet Mm -hmm. and when I when he woke up from a nap he'd go to the toilet and so those are two simple cues and Mm -hmm. they happen a lot Mm -hmm. you know babies wake up a lot and babies eat a lot so if you just practice putting them to the bathroom after that that will knock out like half your diaper usage Mm -hmm. and um but no, I didn't like when we went on an airplane, or if he was sleeping, he still mm-hmm. had a diaper on, right? Cloth diaper, yeah. But um, or I think even when we traveled, we would do real diapers because we couldn't deal with the tr- you know traveling with your cloth, mm-hmm. and then yeah. what do you do with them? Yeah. So we would use the the environmentally the kind yeah. ones. Um, but uh, no, and I there was a period of time where I was watching him naked and waiting, like watching the cues. The cues part for me was really fun, because I thought that he was flirting with me, because he would do this little smile, but that's when he had to pee, but they give you a cue, so yeah. once you figure out the cue, Yeah. but I can understand with four coming right. five children, that would be difficult.
0: But you may, yeah, yes, but I might give it a go, I'll let you know, we'll see, thanks for the tips.
1: I remember my husband, Christopher, when I first was doing it, I'd be in there and I'd be going, Cut. <laughs> and he go, What is this hippie shit you're doing now? And then I said, just try it. And he loved it. And he was like,
0: This works! That's so funny. Well, yes. a lot of it comes down to the disconnection that we have with our modern society. Everything's so fast and like go, go, go. And mm-hmm. you know, the plastic diapers actually affects their ability to even feel their pee. Yeah. And my sister was reading a book and she I don't know if this is true, but she read a book and she told me that in the book it explained how in the fifties, back before like was it the 1950s? I could be wrong on the decade, but um, back before like plastic diapers were around, like babies potty trained by the time they were a year and a half on mm. average mm. Um, because they were in cloth diapers or because there was like more motivation for the parents to get them because it was more of a pain to wash diapers back yeah. then. And then now the average age of the child's potty trained is three. Uh. What a difference.
1: And it comes with such suffering. I mean, what I really notice is the suffering that people go through, the conversations you hear parents having about like, oh my God, we've been working. It's like it's causing such strife in their Mm -hmm. household all because of the convenience of that period of time of having them poo and pee in something that's so uncomfortable. What you've done is trained your baby that the, that's where they go to sit. You trained their, them that. Yeah. So how are you gonna? Now you have to untrain them from that, and that's oh, a hard journey. That's a bit insightful. You told them that this is where you go, mm-hmm. and so if you tell them that that's where they go, then you have to retrain them to do something else, and that's a struggle. Yeah. Because that was a safe place for them since they were a baby.
0: I've never heard it said like that. Like you, you trained them to. to you did. To like, this is where you're. Yeah, because women and
1: women in other cultures. Their babies are like. There's a particular um, group of women in China who have their babies on their back
0: I know while they're this. working.
1: Yes, and the babies just go like this. They tighten, and they know that when their babies tighten on the legs, that it's time to put them. And it's not and like they, they go instantly. Yeah, they give you the babies are so well designed.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did it.
1: They did it so right. They have a. There's a. There's a period of time. You have a minute because yeah. you think it's like you have no time, <laughs> but it's not. You have from the moment they give you the cue mm-hmm. the mm, or the flirt yeah. or whatever it is for you. There's a, you have a grace period of about, mm-hmm. I don't know what, how long it is, but let's say it's a minute or yeah. two. Yeah. If, as long as they know you're on it, you can get them out and right. they'll go. And it's really beautiful.
0: That's inspiring. You might have changed my mind about it. I,
1: I tried you know. to do it with my dog. I kind of worked on my dog when I rescued Pinto Bean. I was like, "How am I, now? I have to teach him how to do it." And I just set a timer and um, did the same thing. I was like, "Okay, he's every five minutes. I'm going to take him out to pee because he was a baby. He was eight weeks, and he had pneumonia when he came to me, and he, we weren't sure he was going to live. Aww. That's why I took him, but he lived. Yeah, miso soup and brown rice, and then." Uh, and then i would graduate to like 10 minutes and then 15 minutes and he's never gone in the house he's, It was so great but it was i learned that <laughs> oh, through my potty whispering potty whispering for bear
0: oh you're a pro <laughs> the another thing that's anti status quo is kind of like the gentle respectful parenting not punishment mm. you've talking about that yeah. before you talked about that before right
1: yeah there's there's no i've never had a need i've never had a need to raise my boy. i mean there was one time i was in the pool and something da- little dangerous happened and i said i grabbed bear's little arm And I just said, you may not do that. (laughs) And he went, mommy, why are you yelling at me? I said, baby, I'm not yelling. He goes, but you're so serious. I said, I am serious. This is serious. We're in a pool and you may not do that. Yeah. He goes,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And that was our communication.
0: Yeah, because it's so true that he's used to your respectful way of speaking to him. So if there was something super serious you're still being respectful, but you're just being serious. He's like, whoa, this is serious. serious. (laughs) But if that's how you're always talking, then it's like, a lot of times you have the whole, why do I have to yell at them 10 times? They still don't listen to me. If that's how you're always talking to them, they're just going to be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I
1: never yell at him and I say sorry a lot. Mm, I do too. So if I, you know, if I am feeling stressed because, you know, for example, if Bear comes home from school and I'm trying to cook dinner, get help him with his homework, the dogs are going crazy and I've got work calls coming in or any variation on that above you know which can be any given day if I haven't slept well because I ate crap the night before or whatever yes. right or I'm having my period then I might be a little bit more prickly now I'm still not yelling Yeah, I'm just simply not as available and I am really I don't I'm sensitive so I don't like a lot going on at once. So if Bear's talking to me, I want to listen. Mm-hmm. You talked about at the beginning your kids feeling like I listen to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I genuinely otherwise it's noise mm-hmm. and the noise freaks me out. Mm-hmm. I'm either with you or I want you away. Like yeah. it's I can't yeah. I can't have this sort of
0: blah, yeah. chaos.
1: So if Bear's talking to me, and I'm trying to get the dinner ready. I can't, I'm sometimes not equipped to do both.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes
1: I'm like, I can't, I'm dinner's never gonna get ready. So I'll just say, Bear, I'm so sorry. Mommy's not able to do both things right now at the same time. Can we can you write down all the stories you wanna tell me? And I can't wait to hear them as soon as I'm done making the dinner. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Yep. and it works mm-hmm. and then he goes and does his thing he'll play Legos or he'll work on his school project or he'll be reading or whatever he's doing and I, and I don't put him on the TV I do not do media and and I can do this thing. And sometimes in the process over the years, he's forgotten. There's been times when he was little, li- more little and he'd come in and go, but mommy. And I'd go, okay, great. I'm going to write down. What's that story about? Okay, bananas. Great. Bananas. Yeah. We're going to write that one down. And all the stories because I just, I really want to be available and present. Mm-hmm. It's such precious time. I don't want to lose it. But I also have to make dinner. Yeah. So I know that both things have to happen. I wanna be available and present, but I have to make dinner. So the choice, right? Yeah. And so we make dinner and then during dinner he tells me all the stories and then at bath time he tells me all the stories and then all the stories get out. And um, and I think it's, it's really been amazing. He respects me because I respect him. Mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and being told, you must respect me mm-hmm. and me going, Earned that. Yeah. this is not behavior that earns respect. You're scary. Mm-hmm. You're mean. You're being an awful person, <laughs> like, right? So you can't demand it. You shouldn't demand it. Mm-hmm. You should. It should be um, a gift that they give you because of the way you are with them.
0: Yes. Right? Absolutely. It's it's what you embody and then they naturally want to embody that too. Yeah. Because you are the example. They're yeah. like mirrors for us. How we treat them is how they're gonna treat us.
1: Yeah. And I'm not perfect at it. You know, there are times where that's when the sorry comes in mm-hmm. where I'll feel like a little bit I just don't like my voice as much. Mm-hmm. I go, I don't like that. That sounds a little not happy.
0: Or I'm having a tone or I'm I, being yeah. short. I'm being short. And yeah. so I'll
1: just, I'll go sit down with him and I'll just say, Bear, I just want to let you know, Mommy's not feeling good at all right mm-hmm. now. And so I'm being a bit, I don't like how I sound. And he goes, it's okay, Mommy. Yeah. i was say, okay, I'm glad you're okay with it. But I just want you to know that Mommy doesn't like, this isn't my favorite Mommy. This is like, this is my not as favorite Mommy, but yeah. she'll be back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he goes, I know. I know. <laughs> he knows. Oh, that's yeah. so great. I know any time that I do say sorry to my kids, which is a lot because I mess up a lot, um, it's just you feel they." They appreciate it so much. They feel so loved and heard. Yeah, and it it goes. It creates safety. So much safety. Because
1: if you, when you grow up in a house where they have no, they don't take any responsibility for what they do, and there's no awareness of how their actions affect other people, it's almost it's crazy making. Okay. You really don't have a sense of what's okay. You don't know what you're. It's very difficult to know yourself and to know what's okay. And so when you're giving a child the opportunity to go, oh yeah, I'm, it's okay for me to be upset sometimes. It's okay for me to be tired sometimes or to, I, I've even had Bear say to me, mommy, in case I seem a little tired or grumpy, I, I just feel a little funny right now. And I go, oh, you're perfect. And he's like,
0: okay. okay. But you know,
1: he's, a, he's, he's doing what you're doing. He's doing what I'm
0: doing. He's not feeling his I love perfect it. self. That's so good. Well, he's, he's amazing. So you guys are so great together. So Mm -hmm. what, just to round out this conversation, Mm -hmm. what are you working on now? Tell us about your podcast so that my audience can go listen to your podcast. And then also, how's your My Kind Organic Supplements going? And also, we didn't even really mention what your book is called. Like your, like The Kind Diet. Maybe just talk about that.
1: Okay, thank you. Yeah. So the first thing was the kind diet mm-hmm. i wrote that a long time ago and i love this book so much and um there's really delicious food in there because i'm a food snob so there's it's not about like boring gross food it's delicious and it's really a book about helping you to make even if it, the book is for people i'm sure most of your audience is probably more on board with us but let's let's hope there are some people out there who are not yeah this is um this is a book that would help you to just make choices for yourself and you don't have, it's not, you don't have to go all the way. It's really about, I, there's a flirting version, there's vegan, and then there's superhero. So it really breaks down sort of how I see food in terms of these are all the reasons for the earth, for the animals, being kind to yourself, being kind to the, your, the animals, being kind to um, the earth, did I, I say know. that, the animals, it's your body, yeah. all of those things. And so really getting the information, it's just being informed. And then you can make whatever choice you want. You don't have to go full on. You can just dabble in it. You might choose to eliminate one creature and not the other, whatever. But I think it's a book full of great information. And then there's a book, The Kind Mama, that if you're trying to get pregnant and you are having a hard time, it's a definite must read.
0: It's a beautiful book. You feel it, and I love how it has. So you have so many things. It's not just about like what to eat. There's so many things.
1: Yeah. Well, because I really felt like this is the book I wished I had when I was pregnant. Yeah. You know, there was there's so many books, and it's just I personally think they're all a waste of time to read. You Mm -hmm. know, there's some that are probably good, but the the majority of the the books on the market, the mainstream books, they're just it's like ridiculous the information, and it's so unhealthy and unnatural. And so I. I just, the book really brings you back to primal parenting, trusting your instincts, and knowing, well, I have choices here. If I'm trying, so the book is for if you're trying to get pregnant, it will help boost your fertility. Once you are pregnant, how to not have all that icky, you know, the stuff that people have come to accept as normal, which is not normal, being gassy, bloated. Uh, having hemorrhoids, having diabetes, having swollen ankles, being really moody, all of that stuff is not That's not what happens because you get pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's not. You don't have to have it that way, you know.
0: Oh, my gosh. Exactly. I feel really, really great when I'm pregnant. I I just love how vibrant I feel. I feel really well. My assistant is like, I always forget you're pregnant. Like, you're the least pregnant, pregnant person I know. Right? Right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, because I just feel so good.
1: Yes. I had a friend, Lelania, who when she was, she gave birth that night. But she walked into Real Food Daily, this restaurant in L.A., And she's vegan and healthy and her eyes were white and she was just popping out, happy, glowy, like not in any rush to have this baby. And I just was like, how pregnant are you right now? She's (laughs) just floating, you know, goddess-like. And that was my example. Mm -hmm. You know, I had examples like that around me and then that's how I was. Mm -hmm. Christopher would say to people, my wife's pregnant and they go, oh, is she miserable? Like, oh (laughs) God, is she just driving you crazy? Does she want that baby out? say no, none yeah. of those things. I know, Just,
0: I love it. It's such a special time. It
1: is. So that's The Kind Mama, and it helps you to know what you need and don't need because they tell you you need all this stuff and you don't need very much.
0: And it's also after baby's born, too. You yeah, it takes you through six months. Yeah. So it's
1: really about thinking about having a baby, then you need to read it, and then it takes you all the way to like six about six months. Yep. Yeah. And then the, My Kind Organics are doing great. They are the first ever non-GMO verified, certified organic, not, um, all food-based, no fillers, no binders, just food vitamins. And um, they continue to do great, and people seem to really be happy that they have them. And people are always telling me stories. Pregnant women tell me about how the prenatals are the only ones that don't make them sick, mm-hmm. and I say that's so good. And um, then and the, the kids gummies, the, the kids, kids love gummies it. are so delicious. Yeah. And then the sprays, it's really hard to get your kids not to spray themselves. They want to spray that the B12 nonstop.
0: Like <laughs> they're <like laughs> just spraying their face. They just love it non- <laughs> nonstop.
1: It's so cute. But um anyway, the, those are doing great, and I'm. I'm, I was just really proud to make something that would be healthy for us because our. When I was pregnant, my midwife said I should take a prenatal, and I thought, why? Like, first of all, I eat so well, and then also, there's nothing clean out there to take. And you would assume if it's a vitamin, it would be clean to yeah. take, but mm-hmm. they're not. If you yeah. read the ingredients, so. I made one <laughs> and then that was what happened. So you just made it. I made them. I went and made them. I thought I have to partner with somebody and make these so that I can have them and my friends can have mm-hmm. them and everyone can have something clean and healthy that they can feel good about that is responsibly made with organic farmers. I mean, all the way to who were the soil yeah. and the farmers and everything. It's, it's really good. Um, and then what else? And then, oh, your podcast, my podcast, my podcast is called the real Heal. And I'm really just looking at asking the questions: What is it really going to take for us to heal our bodies, our communities, ourselves, and um, and our pla- and our planet that we live on? And that's the question I'm sort of asking of all of my guests in all different ways. We have really cool guests like Pinky Cole, who is working to heal food deserts in Atlanta through her slutty vegan mm-hmm. um, burger shop, which is so good. Mm-hmm. And when you go in there, you get such a vibe.
0: I need to go there. It's so good. Where is
1: it? It's in Atlanta. Oh, darn yeah. <laughs> it. it's And it's in this community where it's really a, a food desert, where mm-hmm. people have disregarded them. Don't, you know, they don't. They don't care. And so she's gone in there and created this place and she's playing pumping music. Everyone in there is her family. They're so happy and spunky. And yeah. anyway, it's a great vibe. And, um, and then Kevin Smith, who, you know, is this icon for pop culture. He almost died of a crazy heart attack and mm. how he cured himself with his food and his daughter did that to him. Wow. And he's this happy, vibrant man. Yeah. And, um, and Mackie Shelton, who is the coach to Serena Williams and, um, Venus Williams. Mm -hmm. And, well, I think he's Serena's coach, but Venus and Serena are very close as their sisters. So helping them with their food. And who else is excited? Ed Begley Jr. is so adorable. My dear friend, Mary Walden, who's a therapist in Chicago, talks about love and self-love and how we do that, how to make it practical, real change in our lives for healing for ourselves. So it really starts with healing yourself and then healing your children, and it sort of expands as we go on. Yeah talk to um yeah, yeah Ali, that film is so incredible, and really I learned so much I did not know after seeing that. So I'm just having fun learning and talking to people that I admire and sharing this information with people.
0: Me too, that's why I started a podcast <laughs> too. I lo- Like you wanna just sit down and be like, what can I learn from you, what can yeah. I be inspired by? Which I definitely feel that way about you. So thanks thank for all you. that you do, and thank you so much for coming to the podcast. I will put a link below for everyone listening or watching to find all of her things her book her supplements
1: there's a website too that's kind life that kind of shows it all yes Yes. but I'll definitely link your podcast thank you please yes
0: okay all right thanks everybody for being here and have a great day